Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So uh, being a child of a pastor or a pastor's kid, a PK, uh, sometimes my kids will ask after something happens, um, they'll say, Dad, is that going to make it into a sermon? And uh, most of the time, I'm able to say, well, if you don't want it to, sure, we won't. And, um, but uh, last night, uh, Emily and Ainsley, uh, they decided that they were going to venture into baking. And uh, at the end of this story, I said, now that will make it into the sermon. <laughs> and uh, so Emily uh, stays the night with my daughter Ainsley and... Uh, they're, they're down there, and, and uh, they have a friendship where they'll be cooking uh, on FaceTime back and forth, and so they'll each cook something from different houses just to, to be hanging out, even though they're not in the same space. Well, now they were in the same space, so I should have known we were in trouble. Uh, that's just what you, you, know, you expect. They've been hyped up doing this over FaceTime. Now they're all in one kitchen. They're in one kitchen together. So, uh, of course, I was a great father, and I wasn't around at all. And I, <laughs> and uh, so I, I come down uh, and I see these um, brownies, uh, brownies. <laughs> and so I, I asked, uh, I said, hey, are these warm? Are they ready to eat? And I looked down closer and they had been dug into, you know, like something. So I thought, man, somebody was excited. These things must have been so good. Somebody dug into the middle of the brownie. And uh, Christy said, Tolly, I don't, I don't think you're going to want to try that. And I said, babe, it looks great. It smells good. Of course, yeah, I'm diving in. She said, Tolly, I know you like chocolate. And I know it's hard for you to stay away from chocolate. But I don't even think you are going to want to eat this piece of chocolate. I said, no, babe, it's great. It's great. And so I go in and I, I break off a piece of brownie. And you know how you have that sensation on your tongue before it even starts? Like, you know, you can imagine what the taste is going to be. And so I'm imagining, I'm like, this is going to be a fabulous brownie. Maybe not the best ever, but it's going to be good. And uh, so I go and I put it in my mouth. And so my whole family is watching me as my face, you know, you give that, you give that look off into the distance, kind of like, what was I thinking? My kids are watching me now. How do I handle this moment? And so I turn around and rush to the trash can and started spitting. And I'm like, what is in these brownies? And Christy's like, Tolly, I'm not even sure if we could call them brownies. The girls just kind of made up stuff. They just grabbed things and they put it together and uh, they cooked it. <laughs> and so uh, Ainsley said that she, they used uh, dark chocolate, uh, sugar, and eggs. And so that, that was it. But the dark chocolate is dark. Like, it's, it's like it was still a tree, I think. I think it was still a cocoa tree because it, it was pretty bad. But, uh, but anyhow, so I, w- I was thinking about, because obviously I was like what we're going to be sharing with and what we are sharing with this month. I was thinking of a passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. It won't be on your screen, but it's one you know. Uh, and, and the Apostle Paul says, If I was spoken the tongues, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have love, I don't have love, I've gained nothing. You know, the recipe for the Christian life, you can have all the spiritual gifts. You can know all that there is to know about the mind of God. You, you can be uh, tore in, dug super deep in the scriptures, and you can pontificate for hours and hours on end about God. But if you don't have love, if you're, if you're missing the element of love in your life, love of God, love of others, being able to love yourself so that you can love others the way you love yourself, if you don't have those elements in your life, you're, you're, you're missing an ingredient. And that ingredient matters. And so for you and for me, I don't, I don't want my faith life to be observed by others or to be participated in by others. And people look close and go, I want to spit that out. I want my faith life to be one that says, Lord, I'm the mixing bowl. I'm the, the, the one. I'm at your service. And you mold me into whatever you need me to be. You put the ingredients in and you stir me up. And, and Lord, make me presentable. A presentable picture of your gospel to the world. And so many of us, we assume because we're Christ followers that we have love. And we assume that we understand what love is. And we assume a lot of things. But many of us, we don't carry it around. So this month, we're walking through 1 John chapter 4. And today I want to pick up on verse 10. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 10. This, these next three verses say this. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us or made manifest, made complete in us. As we look at this passage, let's break it down. In this, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love, not that we love God. The greatness of God's love is on display when sinners are loved anyway. The greatness of God's love is on display when sinners are loved anyway. You see, there's no doubt that in, in his day, in Paul's day, just like, I'm sorry, John's day, it just like us, we would look and say, you know what? It, it, I, I love people, so I should get some credit. And then we said, well, who are the people that, that you love? And we talked last week about who do you love? Well, I, well, I love people that are just like me. And we said, well, that's not exactly the, the complete picture of what love is. We should love outside of all of the monolithic picture of who we are. Um, we should love not just when people are doing right by us, not just when people are doing good by us. We should have a love that transcends that. And so the scripture says, in this is love. In what? In, in, in the, the work of God that's about to come. Is love. Not that we have loved God, but He loved us. Not that we've loved God. That's not, 
is unlove. You say, well, how is that not love? I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense in the world. Like, like me loving God, that's love, isn't it? And I need some credit here. Well, the scriptures, the point is like, hey, well, you know, is it really love that this omnipotent, almighty creator, this God that created you, this God that sustains you, is it really to our credit that we would love him? We, we, in that equation, we don't have any authority. We don't have any power. We don't have any uh, equal standing. And so this picture that we would love God in this relationship that's going down to up, that relationship, if we define that as love, the fact that we love, look what I do. If we define that as love, that's not love. Because it's easy to, to realize that your life is finite. It's easy to understand there'll be a day when you have to face the Lord. And it's easy to say, for my own well-being, for my own sake, for my own destiny, I'm going to love God. And so the scriptures are saying, you know, it, it, that part itself, you loving God, that part's not the definition of love. I mean, God is so other. God is so better. God is so holy. God is so righteous. God is the creator. You and God are not equals. The fact that you would love God isn't the definition. Now, is it good? Is it nice? Are we called to? Yeah, 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 of course. But is that the definition? Is that the bar? Are we chasing a bar that says, hey, if there is the God of the universe who pours out his love for you and you return the favor by loving him back, then your side is the definition of love. In sporting events, they call it an A-side, an A-side and a B-side. And so if two boxers go up or two MMA fighters go up, they'll, they'll talk trash about who's the, the big pull here. What's the reason people are going to buy the fight? What's the reason people are going to get in the seats? What's the reason people are going to turn over the money? And so they'll argue back and forth and they'll say, I'm the A-side. You remember the old cassette tapes or the, the, the records? Eight tracks, I'm not sure, work this way. It's beyond my time, people. But there is an A side and there's a B side. And so the, this picture, think of it that way, is, is that, that it's not love. The definition, the foundation, the plumb line is not the B side. The fact that you and I are, will respond to God's greatness and goodness and grace and mercy and love for you. We're not the A side. And so it goes on and says, hey, that, 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 that's, that's not love. Look, it is, this is love. Not that we have loved God. But do you want to know what love is? Love is not just loving the one that's already done a lot for you. That should be a no-brainer. Somebody that's already done a lot, somebody that's already poured themselves out, somebody that's already helped me so much, that feeling of elation, that feeling of gratitude, that feeling of joy, that should be a no-brainer. So that's not the love part. The, the love part is the fact that we would be loved first. And it says, but, but that God, that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Christian, it is so important that we understand this equation that's happening. Because we, of all people, are so high and so full of ourselves about 
the, the ways of the world and who we give our cares to and who we give our love to, we are so full of it because we represent the God of love. But many times without understanding this balance here, without understanding what love is in that equation, we will go around believing that people are graced with the fact that we've shown up. We will go around believing, isn't it good that, that, that those people have us there? Isn't it good that those people in Africa have us involved? Isn't it good that those people in East Baltimore have Miss Colleen? And what happens is we go, hold on. That, that's not love. It's not love that we would respond. It's not love that we would be obedient. It's love that God would care to go first. Love goes first. Love goes first. Love doesn't just sit and wait as the B side and respond to the A. And so it's love that God sent. He loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We live in an eye for eye world. But God's love is unfathomable. Not because he only plucked out those who were already good and said, because you are good, I love you. He didn't do that. He looked down and he said, you know what? I will send the propitiation for my sins. We live in a reciprocal world, an eye for an eye world, of you do for me, I'll do for you world. But we sit under the grace of God. And so Christian, how do we love? How do we do it? This is love. It's not love that we respond, but that he loved us. You know what's confusing? We hold these two beliefs and we've got to reconcile them. We've got to figure this out, church. We often believe that others need to earn our love. We often believe that others need to earn our love. We, we start out almost life. When we wake up in the morning, we start out that way. But at the same time, we hold a competing belief, which is actually biblical. We as Christians understand that love that is earned is not love at all. Love that is earned. Love that is, is purchased. That's not love at all. I'll love you if. Well, that's, that's not love. That's a, that's a purchase. But it's so, the scripture says, you know what? It's not love that we would love God. I mean, after all, we're on the receiving end of grace and the receiving end of mercy and the receiving end of his goodness and the receiving end of his kindness. We're, we're on the receiving end. It's not, it's not love to say, oh, well, thanks for your goodness and kindness and mercy and grace, and so therefore I'll love you back. And so, man, that definition, Tolly's defining love. That's not love. Love is that God would start the relationship in the first place. Love is that God would look down at Tolly and say, Tolly, you're a sinner. You're a wicked sinner. You, you, you have... Uh, a brain that's messed up. You have a way of the world that's messed up. You, you have a broken image of me. And, and in spite of that, 
I'm going to make the first move. I'm going to love you. It's not love that I return the favor. It's love that, I, that anybody would start the process. So which is it? Should people have to earn the Christian's love? Or will the Christian be defined as a people of love? Because if people have to earn my love, then I'm putting a stipulation on love that even God didn't put on. And so when we think about love, it's so important. We got to think about this word propitiation because we go, okay, cool. All right, I'm processing it. I get it. So love's not going up after you've received all the good stuff. That's, that's not love. That's, that's <laughs> this is, um, I've, I've got some of the best kids on the planet. And, and when they say thank you, like I don't fall over. I, I don't, I don't, whoa, look at your love for me, kids, right? Because going first is what parents do, at least we should, right? At least we should. So the response of thank you, I appreciate that. Thank you for loving me. That's, that part, that part is Kindness, a good response. But, but that part is what should happen, right? If you're kind to me and I'm, I, I repay that, I, I say thank you, I, I give you some, some, some props on your kindness towards me, that second part wasn't the main part of love. Love was to start in the first place. And, and, and so that's how God looks at it and says, you know what? Not only... Not only is it love, it says that this is love, not that we have loved God, we get it, that, but that he loved us. That's awesome. It's good to know he loved us. No, no, no. What does it say? End. Everybody say end. End. Do you know those people in your life that they say they love you, but there's no end? Do you know what I'm talking about? It says that it's not love that we loved God, but that he loved us. And, say end, end. And what did he do? Because he loved us, it says, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation, I've said it six or eight times, and you're like, that's really awesome. What does it mean? What does it mean? What, what is the, why is that significant? We've got to know why that's significant or else we won't understand that him going first was so important. Propitiation, an appeasement or satisfaction of God's wrath due to sin. An appeasement or satisfaction of God's wrath due to sin. So, so what is propitiation? So hold on, it's not love that I love God. It, it, it's love that he loved us and... He did something with it. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what does that mean? That means that when he did the act, I was not in good standing. We were not in good standing. In fact, theologically, the wrath of God was what we were facing. And it was while God had every reason in the world to just wipe us out. He says, no, no, no. They don't have to earn it. Here's my love. 
And so God made the way for you and for me to have a relationship. He satisfied his own wrath through his son. He closed the circle. He made the loop. And so it is with God that the propitiation, the satisfaction of the relationship wasn't even made by us. But yet, do you know what we do? Do you know the carrots and the sticks that we put out for love? We say, you need to satisfy my wrath. And then we'll love. My wife tells me when y'all are really quiet that you're thinking. She says, Tolly, don't panic. Just let them think for a minute. Okay. You see, some, so the issue here is that when we say, well, I know what love is, I know what love is, we're doing a love series, oh, that's real cute, that's great, I know what love is. Maybe we don't. Or, or maybe, maybe it's something we learned and heard and we was like, oh, yeah, I remember now. But we don't really practice it. What if Christians everywhere, every day, all the time, really, really got it? Do I get it right all the time? No. That's where it hurts for a preacher to like study the Bible and you're just like, dang it. <laughs> because you go and you're like, oh Lord, I, I've, I've still got so much to learn. You see, propitiation, not only did he love you, but he loved you so much that he wiped away his own wrath through his son so that his love would go over top of any wrath that he had. So that his love would be available for you and for me. Propitiation, that's love. Not looking to barter, not trying to, to purchase, not making someone pay. If they have to pay for your love, they have purchased it. And we have words for that in the English language. Your love, my love, should not be for sale. It should be because it's out of the overflow of God's love for us. What did God do? What did he do by going first? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, he did what? He gave us, oh, what did he give us? This has got to be good. It's a present under the tree. What did he give us when he reconciled? He gave us the what? Ministry. Everybody say ministry. Oh, man, that's good. That's, that's awesome. He, he gave us the ministry. I, I want a ministry. Well, what is the ministry? Of what? Reconciliation. Making things right. Binding up broken things to make them whole. Bringing two parties together to find peace. Reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The work of reconciling men and women to God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. 
He was doing it all. That's the propitiation of Jesus. He finished the work. He had wrath. He didn't just love those who loved him. Not counting. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, boy. I don't want this ministry. Do y'all want this ministry? <laughs> Look what it says. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It's not love that we would love God back. It's love that he would love us first. And it's not only that he said that he loves us from a distance. Hey, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's, there's an end. He loved us and he did something. Well, what did he do? He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Meaning the satisfaction. The, the, the purity. The, he wiped away his own wrath in his son. And not only did he do that so that he could love you and love me, but then on top of that, he goes and gives you and gives me the ministry of reconciliation. How crazy is that? The ones that he formerly had wrath for, he hands us a ministry of his own doing, of his work. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Tully, I don't want you to go around preaching the way you love. Because we all know. I want you to go around preaching my love. Because I did it. It came from me. And it came from me to you. And once you have it inside, you can't help but to share it with others. But you're not going around preaching love as the way you think it ought to be. You're going around preaching love the way that I think it ought to be. And so it's the ministry of reconciliation that God gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to bind up, to overstep the wrath of God and draw you to himself, to bind up what is broken, to connect you with him, to give you new life. And yet you and I, we walk around and we say, you know what love is? Love is when you do right to me. Then I'll do right to you. And my friends, we cannot hold these two belief systems at the same time. We, we cannot do that. They're irrecon irreconcilable. They don't work. We have to choose every day. Lord, give me the ministry of reconciliation. Because our default is going to be the ministry of compensation. If you do what I want, I'll love you. But if you don't do what I want, I've got no love for you. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to say, you know, the calling of God on my life, my ministry, is reconciliation. It's not to love the way that I would want to love. Because the way that I would want to love is going to fail every time. Because it's not going like, to look like the way that Jesus loves. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I wanted to spend so much time on that first verse because we can't do this verse. 
We can't do verse 11 if we don't understand verse 10. And sometimes when we read our Bibles and we do Bible study, we can kind of just use verse 10 as a speed bump to, to get to, okay, love others. Well, if you don't know how, you're going to be pretty bad at it. I don't think you want me building your house. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> You're going to want somebody that knows how to build a dog shed first. You know, is it a dog shed? You're going to want somebody that knows how to build something else. How about Legos? And so many of us, we're out here acting in the name of Jesus. We have Christ on our chest. And we're saying that we're loving the way that God loves but we don't even fully understand the propitiation for our sins. And as a result, we're loving in a way that's not very loving. We're actually selling off and bartering our love back and forth. And that's not the way of Jesus. We can better love sinners when we know we are a sinner who Jesus loves. We can better love sinners when we know that we are a sinner who Jesus loves. Now, the text, it's interesting because the astute student would say, well, pastor, it appears that he's talking to believers, and you would be right. But if it was as pure as once you're in Christ, then you're no longer described as a sinner, he wouldn't have to implore believers to do the work of the Spirit, unless, of course, sin can still get in the way of the believer doing the work of the Spirit. And so that's the frame in which I use sinners. So when he says we should love one another, part of it is, is understanding that one another are sinners. Even in Christ. You might be a saved sinner, but you're still a sinner. Can I get an amen from the wives? I'm, I was just joking. It was a joke, 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 joke. You see... The, 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 the idea here is that we can love better if we have the perspective that we're in the same place with the person who needs our love. But we're not very good at loving when we put ourselves above the other people around us who need our love. And so it's so important that for you to love like Christ, you understand there was no one more loving than Christ. There was no one better than Christ. Therefore, everyone that Christ ever loved was beneath him. And if you believe that people have to get on your level before you love them, you don't know Christ. Or at least you don't understand what you're saying. What you're saying is, I want his name, but I don't want his instruction. I don't want his modeling. I don't want to do what he does. I just want to wear the name and really, really cross my fingers, hope, and pretty, pretty please get me into heaven. But that is not what you were given. You were given a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry that comes from God, a love that comes from Him. It's not loving that you love in the flesh. It is loving that you love in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, He is reconciled all to Himself, but He wiped away His own wrath to be able to do it. And yes, He stooped lower to get to you. And so who are we? Who am I? To walk around 
and just decide without even understanding or knowing. I just say, well, I don't know if my love's for them. And this is why it breaks me, my heart so much when I talk about our church and our vision and our hope for the world is that I don't want us to look the same. I don't. There are so many churches that you could draw a circle and explain away why they all are in relationship. So many. You just walk in and you're like, oh, okay. There's a sale at Abercrombie. Like, it, like you can just look and just say, hey, it's all the same. But all it does, it breaks my heart because all it does is it says, do these people know how to love anyone that's not already like them? The white church, the black church, the young hip church, the old church that won't change anything. It's all the same. You have to agree with me first, then I'll decide if I love you. But that's the opposite of this. When people ask, well, what if you just don't get, what, what if you just don't fit? Good. Good. Well, that's really mean. I, I want, no, it's good. If you, if you don't fit, if you don't have a bridge, if you don't have something that I can explain away in a sentence, good. It might be Christ. It might be that the reason that you're connected is that you're in love with Jesus and they're in love with Jesus. And therefore you love them because it's like, I don't have any other way to explain it. They decorate their house different. They listen to different music, grew up in different areas. They have a different socioeconomic status, blah, 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 blah. They're different. What if I don't fit in? Good. What's scarier is if most of your relationships, you do fit in in the flesh. Because then you really have to wonder, how much of this connection I have with this person is even in Christ? Or how much is it just an appeasement to the flesh? You see, appeasing the flesh isn't just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Appeasing the flesh happens in church after church after church after church. Because I found a way to segregate and find my people. That's an expression that's going around right now as a way of defining, like, love your people. Love, love your people. Love your people. And I get the sentiment. It's a decent sentiment. The problem is, <laughs> who are your people? Who are your people? Who do you love? Since God's wrath has been satisfied in Jesus' sacrifice, why can't ours? Since God's wrath has been satisfied in Jesus' sacrifice, why can't ours? Why can't it be that we say, you know, that's under the blood. We see the world different. That's under the blood. They don't see where they hurt me. Well, all right, that's under the blood. It doesn't mean you got to go and put yourself in hurtful situations again, but it's under the blood. We, we saw that incident different. All right, it's under the blood. And so, if God's wrath was satisfied through Jesus at the cross, Christian, why isn't ours? 
Do we have any reason at all to walk around this world begrudging and angry and bitter and frustrated? The media makes money when you flip out over the latest thing you see on Facebook or on the latest political show that you watched or the latest meme that you forwarded. And the, the, the media makes money off of your dislike or disgruntled situation. And you and I have to understand your brain and your heart and your life and your spiritual well-being should not be controlled by somebody in a boardroom trying to get clicks. Your mindset, your heart, your life should be controlled by the one who satisfied his own wrath so that you wouldn't have to walk around with wrath towards anybody. Since God's wrath has been satisfied in Jesus' sacrifice, why can't ours? Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ went first. Love goes first. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God's love is made alive in us when we are made alive in Christ. God's love is made alive in us. God's love is manifest. People can't see God, but they can see how God's people treat them. And so my friends, you and I, let's not presume any longer that we fully understand love. And let's understand that my definition when I wake up might not be on point. I might be loving in the flesh. And I might have to rewire myself and say, you know what? I'm not loving the way Christ does. And if those two are in conflict, as I said earlier, we want everyone to earn it. Christ said, no, no, no. You don't earn it. Because if you buy it, it's not a gift. And my love is not for sale. So therefore, don't make people earn what God gave you for free. And so with that, we put down our malice and we put down our weapons and we put down our bitterness and anger. We put down our hatred for anybody else. And we understand they're just a sinner too, just like me. But I received love. Why can't I give love? And the world might not see Christ, but they can see Christ in me if I'll let it. God's love is made manifest in us if our life is made manifest in Christ. If we hold on to Jesus and if we let him lead and guide, if we receive his love and live out of the overflow of his love, the world around us cannot help but to get wet with his love. But the truth is, many of us can become dry and bitter and frustrated. Many of us can forget the fact that we were loved when we weren't lovable. Many of us can set ourselves on a higher plane than someone else, and we justify it because of their sin. But all the while, we forget the fact that it was us in our sin that we were receiving the love of God. And so we've got to get to a place to where we say, you know what, Lord, I don't, I don't think I can fully ever get there in my flesh. In fact, I know I can't. So Lord, I need to get there in the Spirit. Would you help me today to love people no matter what? 
They can't do anything to earn my love because then they'd be buying it and my love is not for sale. But Lord, I want to give away what you freely gave to me because, not because they deserve it or owed it, but because you gave me with your love a ministry. A ministry of reconciliation. And I don't know about you, but I can't reconcile anyone to anyone else if I don't first believe in the power of love. God's love. So church, if you've never met Christ as Savior, you've never received true love. It's only when you admit that you're a sinner and you understand that you're broken and you understand that you don't have what it takes. It's only then when you get to this place to where you say, you know what, in the flesh I will never, ever, ever be good enough. But I'm so thankful for Jesus because God sent His only Son to be the propitiation for my sin, to make right the relationship, even while I'm a sinner. And so because of that, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty to wipe it out on my behalf. And therefore, I'm going to live the rest of my life as a follower of Christ. I'm going to become a disciple. I'm going to become an apprentice. I'm going to become the one who follows Jesus from now to the day that I see him face to face. I pray that each one of us would come into a right relationship with Jesus, and then from that, we would learn to love. Who do you love? Let's pray.